Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory Mailbag Edition for Week Four of the preseason. We are nearing the end of fake football. Real football is very close, and here to talk to me about uh, maybe what will happen to the uh, 53-man roster that will make that real football. My pals first find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Matthew Lane, what's up, my man? Oh, I'm doing good tonight. We got to see a solid football game this past weekend, so that's always a bonus. And now we got a week off before the grind really starts. I mean, not really for us. We just get to sit back and watch them play and write about it. (laughs) However, for them, the grind starts, you know, next weekend. They're going to have their first game. The starters get a week off this week, so I'm going to do the same. And, uh, yeah, how about you guys? I'm doing fantastic. Um... I got a little good news, bad news for our listeners right now. So I'm going to start with the bad news. RIP live stream, you guys. Uh, oh. We are not doing the live stream for the foreseeable future. YouTube messed up what we had going. We've been trying to find a solution. Been unable to find one. I'll keep kind of looking, but in order to kind of preserve the pod and keep everything going smoothly, we are no longer doing the live stream. But... Good news. We love you guys still because several days ago, you guys gave us our biggest pod month ever. And this was days ago. We still have days (laughs) to go in August. You guys are amazing. We really appreciate that you listen. We appreciate that you interact with us. We got so many questions this week. It's ridiculous. So thank you all very, very much. We're going to keep doing this as long as you guys keep listening. So we really appreciate that you take time out of your day to listen to us. Yeah, no, much gratitude. It's crazy. I think everyone's really excited for Chief season. We're really excited for Chief season, obviously. And uh, we'll just jump into some of these mailbag questions right now. Let's start uh, with the Gmail account. You can email us at apnerdsquad at gmail.com. And uh, we'll start with this. Hey, Kent, Matt, and Craig, coming to you all the way from Melbourne, Australia. How cool is that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've been a huge Chiefs fan since discovering the sport at a young age through Madden, where I dominated with the triumvirate of Trent Green, Priest Holmes, and Tony Gonzalez. That's awesome. Just wanted to say I discovered your podcast last week and can't believe I didn't find it sooner. I don't get as much Chiefs media over here, so I have been binging on your old episodes too. This is insane. This is crazy. Thank you so much, Aussie Chief. Anyways, here's the question. We've heard a lot about Patrick LeVon Mahomes, but could you give me a rundown on the backup quarterbacks? Are they in a good position if Patty Cake went down, heaven forbid, 
And is any is there any need for the Chiefs to keep an eye on other young quarterbacks, or do we just double down on Mahomes staying healthy and in Kansas City? Keep up the good work, fellas. Aussie Chief. That's so cool. Uh, I can't believe people in Australia listen to us. Uh, so here's the thing with, with, uh, with the backup quarterback situation. And I think it was... Uh, it, it was Peyton Manning's old offensive coordinator. Uh, someone asked him, well, what happens if Pat, if, if Pat, Peyton Manning goes down? He basically said, we're screwed. The season's over. <laughs> Teams know, like, there's no replacing Patrick Mahomes. There just isn't. And frankly, if Patrick Mahomes' season's over, I want them to tank. And I want them to get a good draft pick to help Patrick Mahomes win the Super Bowl the next season. So, you know, I, I think it's always good business to maybe try to find a young quarterback to develop. Maybe you can wind up flipping them. You know, you just keep churning and burning through some of those guys to see if you can stumble into a quality quarterback to develop. But, uh, you know, Matt Moore is here uh, with Chad Henney on the way out uh, with, with an apparent season-ending injury. And, uh, you know, if he, he's here to help be a soundboard for Mahomes and he's here to hopefully, you know, maybe pull a game or two out or, you know, hold the fort while Patrick Mahomes maybe gets healthy. But if the season's over, I mean, it's over. Just, you know, it's just call it quits. Get a good draft pick. Yeah, and I believe the Peyton quote was in relation to they asked the offensive coordinator what they, the plan would be if Jim Sorgi had to take over at some point in time for Peyton. And it was just a complete another, yeah, we're screwed if that has to happen. So we don't even prepare for that situation. <laughs> and I think that's the best way to look at a backup quarterback once you have this level of quarterback play that the Chiefs have with Pat Mahomes. I know you can point to a team like the Eagles recently getting to fall back on the Nick Foles and then still winning the Super Bowl with him. That's just not going to happen most of the time. When you have a quarterback of Patrick Mahomes level, if you have to play your backup quarterback instead of him, like your best bet is that he squeaks you into the playoffs and then it's either your starting quarterback comes back or you're just going to lose anyway because he's a backup quarterback for a reason. You can't really prepare to win that way when you have a quarterback like Pat. So I'm with Kent. I hope that they miss the playoffs if the backup quarterback has to come in just simply because I would rather have a better draft pick. I'm going to take this time to talk about Kyle Shermer, Kent's favorite quarterback on the roster. (laughs) <laughs> because Kent has some strong slander towards Kyle Shermer because he's beaten out his guy Chase Litton. Oh, rest which in peace, is simply, Chase. Which just simply is unheard of. Kyle Shermer's a smart quarterback. He's not the most physically gifted, but he's a smart kid. He understands the game of football, and when you have an unbelievable physical talent like Patrick Mahomes, that's the kind of backup quarterback you need. You need someone that's just going to help him with mental reps. I don't need a young gunslinger in the waiting if I have Patrick Mahomes. That does me no good because he's never going to be as good as Patrick Mahomes. Give me the best football mind. I think Kyle Shermer is a smart quarterback, so I expect the Chiefs to keep him on the practice squad. I actually think he starts the season on the roster because you don't want your backup quarterback to just have a week of experience. But Kyle Shermer, I think, has definitely jumped Chase Litton in this rotation. Yeah, he definitely has. And, I mean, the Nick Foles argument is also one to consider. Nick Foles wasn't especially great before he went to Philadelphia. I mean, he spent a couple years in Kansas City, and he wasn't great. He was behind Alex Smith. He was in Los Angeles with the Rams. He was really not good there. Guys, he has a history prior to... Yeah, Jeff Fisher. He has a history prior to going to Philadelphia of not being great. Just kind of a journeyman quarterback that was a good backup. That's what Chad Henney was. That's what Matt Moore is. 
a lot of these teams that have these young guys behind them have an older quarterback. Guys, your young development quarterback is the MVP. He's in his third year. It's okay. It's okay to have a guy like that behind it. I saw a lot of panic today about what are the Chiefs going to do if Pat gets hurt. Guys, just put it in Pat's hands. Just trust him to do the right thing and stay as healthy as he can and get on the field. Win multiple Super Bowls. Uh, yeah, and multiple it, it, Super Bowls. Multiple. It, it's no longer Litton. It's no longer Litton. Rest in peace, Chase Litton. Uh, pour one out. We've been pouring. We've been pouring a lot out for a lot of players the last couple of days. So not very good uh, let's, players too. Not very good players, which is fine. I mean, I'd rather I'd rather the uh, you know the front end starters stay healthy. <laughs> so uh, we got a couple a uh, couple questions from the five star reviews. Let's start with this one. Zach Tuttle asks if Damian Williams or the committee of running backs. Uh, we don't. We have don't put up that great of numbers this year. Do you think the Chiefs will spend a round two or round one draft pick on a solid feature back? Uh, I I don't think that they will. And I and maybe it's they've done such a good job of identifying running back value with minimal assets. I mean, guys like you know Damian Williams was it was such a low investment initially uh same with daryl williams an undrafted free agent same with darwin thompson a sixth round pick i was thinking about this the other day if uh if i were the chiefs i would just keep throwing you know day three assets at running backs because i feel like that's the best way to get you know good value out of out of the running back or out of the running back position and then out of your day three draft assets i think that's a good way to kind of you know get a safe quality asset by investing in running back on day three yeah, and I'd be surprised if an Andy Reid offense doesn't produce quality stats out of the running backs. I think it'll be plenty good enough. They might not be as good as last year. I mean, I think that's a worry you could have. But based on what we've seen, I'm not even concerned about that. They're going to put up numbers. If they don't, then I'm with Kent. You just put in day three effort into it. I mean, you put in that kind of value, you're going to get the return. And running backs, essentially, you're having them play for you on their first contract as rookies, and then that's really about it. After that, you move on because their shelf life is just so short. So you just spend day three picks on them. You catch guys like Kareem Hunt. I mean, he was a day two pick, but Kareem Hunt, you get your Darwin Thompsons, guys like that that you can utilize specific skill sets for, then you move on and replace them with another guy if it's a day three draft pick. Yeah, the only way that I'm cool with them taking a running back before day three at this point is if Travis Etienne fell to the third round. Then you scoop him <laughs> up. Or Saquon Barkley becomes available. Or Saquon yeah. Barkley becomes available. Yeah, These like game-changing running backs that the Chiefs at the bottom of the first round are just not going to have an opportunity to draft. So at this point... If you're trying to fill those spots, look at Darwin Thompson, guys. Like, Darwin Thompson already looks the part. Now, he's maybe not going to be an every down back, but he's going to be a major contributor at running back. So, I, they have done well filling those spots with, you know, free agents, lesser known free agents, and late round picks. You got to just keep doing that. Also, I'm going to add this real quick. This year's a pretty big draft for the Chiefs. This is going to be a pretty critical draft for the Chiefs because they've got to address and they've got to nail some of their early picks. They've got to, you know, hit a, on a corner or hit on a corner and a tackle or, you know, they've got some they've got some big 
uh, decisions to make with their early assets and taking a running back instead of say a cornerback would, I would lose my mind, frankly. <laughs> uh, or even like, you know, a tackle of the future, you know, as you got some contractual decisions, some aging tackles and some of that kind of stuff, like they might need to think about developing a tackle soon, but uh, that is for February after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. We start talking about the draft and the Chiefs pick 32 and 33 uh, because of the 33 years. Uh, this next question from Big Jack Harris asks, uh, the Patrick LaVon Mahomes of Cheese podcast, or he says that, he calls us that. That's great. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. So much LaVon usage lately. Even even our new pal in Australia was, was running with the LaVon. Um, anyways, stupid quick question. Uh, if you had to replace Paddock quarterback with a non-quarterback uh, current chief, who would you pick? Start with that one, Matty. Well, I think the clear answer would have been one of the tight ends that played quarterback, but that specifically mentioned to not do as well. So I'm going to go with Tremont. Oh, sorry, my bad. I'm going to go with Tremont Smith because for the scout team last year, he played Lamar Jackson, and I feel like his passing ability has to be on par with Lamar's at this point in time. Oof, serious Lamar shade there. I'm going to go with Sammy Watkins just because he's great with the ball in his hands in the backfield, and I, I want him to have the ball more. So, Sammy Watkins. You guys are just giving up so quickly. I mean, oh, it's just, just we're just going to run it around. I, uh, I trust Juan Thornhill to sling the ball around the field. <laughs> just, I let it, we're going to run the, we're going to run the air Juan. And he's going to throw the ball all over the field, and we're going to live by the wand, die by the wand. It's going to be great. The second part of this the question is bone. kind of fun. The wand bone. Ooh, I like that. Uh, also, what position would you move Pat to if you had to keep him around? Um, Punter? Kicker? I mean, I like Pat. Pat's very athletic for a quarterback, but he does not move like a guy that can play a position on the NFL <laughs> fields. He just does not have any fluidity to his movement. So, like, we got we got to put him somewhere where uh, he's just kicking the ball. And, God, can you imagine the fake options if you have Patrick Mahomes handling the ball on special teams? Dave Tobe might ascend to a whole nother level of being <laughs> if he had Patrick Mahomes on his special teams unit. I've got a Maddie answer coming, so Craig, please, please go first. I mean, the clear option is tight end since they move all the quarterbacks to tight ends anyway. So Mahomes <laughs> is moving to Matt- tight ends. <laughs> That's kind of a Maddie answer too. But here, here's the here's a here's a Maddie answer. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this question with a technicality. Okay, direct snap to Sam Watkins, who hands it off to Patrick Mahomes, who throws the ball. Wherever he wants, it's a technicality, and Mahomes still gets to throw the football. That seems like there a, we go. an elaborate process just, Craig, just to do that. are my Maddie answers that obnoxious and boring? No, no not at all. <laughs> okay, I was wondering. No. It's a caricaturization of I, a Maddie answer. I find answer. enjoyment in Matt's answers. I, I That was something. Kid. I do, too. <laughs> I do, too. It's just really fun to like call it out, you know, the technicalities and stuff. And I got dunked on last week for making fun of Maddie's answers. Uh, we Maddie can go ahead and give me some crap on the backside of this uh, commercial break. We'll be back right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Time to answer questions from Twitter. We start with our guy, Ryza Mahomes. Uh, out of the wide receiver core, who would you like to fill out the remaining wide receiver spots? And what is your tight end two prediction? Uh, I'll start with tight end two. Blake Bell is the tight end two. I, I think he looks pretty good in there. Dion Yelder, we're not sure if he's going to be healthy. We're not sure when he's going to be back. So I think it's Bell. As far as the wide receiver core, I I think that they're going to keep six. I think it's Hill, Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, McCall Hardman, Byron Pringle, and who am I missing, guys? Who am I missing here? Why am I, D'Anthony Thomas? D'Anthony Thomas is is your sixth wide receiver, the Dave Tobe spot. I think <laughs> I would like for them to keep Cody Thompson. But I think it's going to be DeAnthony Thomas rounding out that uh, roster spot. Yeah, I think that's definitely the right first six. I think I wanted to put Cody Thompson in there, and I really still do. I'm a little hesitant to think that he'll make the practice squad and he won't get picked up by somebody. But to do that, I think the Chiefs would have to go ahead and let one of their running backs go. So it might even come down to a Carlos Hyde, Daryl Williams, Cody Thompson triangle and who provides the most there. I think Cody Thompson provides the most on special teams out of those guys, but do the Chiefs trust him enough to do so? That we don't know. So I think he's also going to be on the outside looking in as you only keep six wide receivers. with As of right now, they're relatively healthy with those six. There's no reason to be too worried about any of them being injured yet. The tight end two spot, it's got to be Blake Bell with Yelder's injury. I don't think Blake Bell's backed up his first preseason game performance yet. He's looked a little just off these last couple games. He had a lot of drops. He just he looks a lot like Demetrius Harris, just like a lower end version, which is fine. He's not quite as athletic. His blocking's probably about the same. He seems to have a lot of drops still. So I mean that's fine as a tight end too. It's gonna play less percentage of the snaps than Harris played last year. Here's uh here's a prediction for you, fellas. The tight end two is not on the roster right now. Ooh. Yeah. I I could see them making a move at tight end to try to bolster the depth there. Uh, the receivers, I think I think you guys nailed the six. Uh, I'm pouring one out for Cody Thompson. Kay Gumminger asks, and Craig, I'm just gonna let you answer this because you're the you're the Renaissance man, and you know you've got a, a vast knowledge of a lot of different things. Can well, you, now I don't want to. Well, too bad. <laughs> don't be so picky, Renaissance man. Can you guys detail how the roster cutdown works and the timing and schedule of it? 
do you uh, do players cut have the option to stay with the team on the practice squad so here's how it works on saturday at 3 p.m arrowhead time every team in the nfl has to have their 53-man roster finalized and they can waive them or they can put them on pup or non-football injury list the next day um at noon arrowhead time all clubs will be notified which players cleared waivers and then you can start to construct your practice squad you can have 10 guys on the practice squad four of them can be veteran players who have already accrued a year under the practice squad the rest of them are typically rookies things like that you can't have a veteran on your practice squad that has already had two years of a practice squad these guys can only leave a team if they are promoted to another team's active roster from then on out. They can they can be cut by their current team and transfer to another practice squad, but in order to be picked up off of the Chiefs practice squad, they have to be promoted to another team's active roster, and they get paid for three weeks regardless. Um, some caveats here. Suspended players do not count against the 53 immediately in week one so morris claiborne will not count and ir players have to be on the initial 53 if you want them to come back at any point this year or you know throughout the course of the year so yes kent oh good job well done okay i thought you had another question so no no, it's it's fine uh no i mean i i think you did you answer everything basically oh basically yeah no i think you did a great job (coughs) Excuse me, Jesse Berkey asks, what's your comfort level with the run defense and overall tackling? I feel good about what we've seen from the run defense, especially with the first-team players throughout this preseason. They're physical. They're attacking a lot better. There's still a couple of times where it looks like the linebackers are not even hesitating, just a little slow to read where they need to get going. But for the most part, they're coming downhill a lot faster. The defensive line's physical. They're not getting pushed around. This is a little change from last year where you had guys that were getting pushed out of their run lanes consistently. Linebackers were late to their spots. So the first team run defense looks pretty good. Excuse me as well. I'm a little worried about some outside runs. Like if you get outside the defensive ends, I am a little concerned with the linebackers ability to get to the sidelines, especially if the starting linebackers at base or in the nickel don't consist of Darren Lee or even a Ben Neiman or Dorian O'Daniel. There's a lack of, and speed element right there, but you're kind of hoping that the safety play of Sorensen, Tyron Matthew, Juan Thornhill, along with the defensive ends of Clark and Okafor can hold most contained there while the linebackers are kind of running into the alleys. But it's just a concern that I do see with the way they're running out their linebacker rotation right now. For sure. And Reggie Ragland looks good. Damian Wilson looks pretty good. This week was a little bit down, but overall he's looked good. Especially against the run. Uh, yes, especially against the run. The one gap has treated those defensive linemen very well. I think we see oftentimes, and it's not just Chris Jones making a play or Frank Clark making a play. It's Alex Okafor's getting in there. Derek Nottie's getting in there. The linebackers are getting downhill. I think the simplified scheme and the ability to quickly trigger is making a significant difference in the run defense. I I really like the way that everybody's rallying to the ball as well. Last year, we saw way too often 
Anthony Hitchens maybe trying to make an open field tackle and him being the only guy that's really continuing towards it. We've seen a lot of guys rallying to the ball, big stuffs because they've had multiple guys that are able to drive the running back back after he's you know hit the line again. So it's been good overall. I've been pleased so far, about as pleased as I probably could be with a preseason setup here. 100% agree, and I think we've said this a lot, but you know, it, if they can make it harder to play ball control on this team, that could really help late in the season. I know we've been saying it a lot, though. Great Googly Mo asks, what is going on with Dorian O'Daniel, and does he have a path to a significant role in this new defense? You know, I was one of the guys that said that Dorian O'Daniel was going to be have a biggest benefit of anybody on this team going into this season, and then they added Darren Lee. And then Damian Wilson is playing Will. And then Dorian O'Daniel's been running with the third and fourth stringers here. Dorian O'Daniel is not getting time. He's He just is a little bit out of sorts. He doesn't seem to be on the same page as everybody else. He still looks pretty good when he's able to get out wide in coverage, when he's able to get to the edge and try and make tackles. But my goodness, he's struggling to communicate. He's struggling to be on the same page as everybody else. And he's been relegated to a backup's backup. Now, that's not good for a team that's probably not going to carry enough linebackers to really keep Dot on the roster. Yeah, he's kind of a guy that's playing where he has to see the play happening like as it's going down before he can react. And his athleticism going back to college or even when he's playing against third and fourth stringers make him able to make plays. It shows up. He flashes where he'll make a play at the line of scrimmage or he'll get out and make a good play in coverage. But if you go back and watch, it's because he sees the play unfolding and then attacks it as it's happening rather than before. He doesn't seem like he's really reading the field and not, not getting to the position he's supposed to because he's probably doing what he's being coached to do for the most part. He's just not reacting to what the offense is going to be doing on the play before they do. And that's led him to be the third, four-string linebacker comfortably behind Darren Lee, Ben Neiman. Reggie Ragland plays a different position, but he's on a completely different level of the depth chart than those guys. So if he's kept, it's for special teams only. And I haven't seen him make big splashes on special teams either compared to other guys like Armani Watts, Rashad Fenton. I mean, you've seen these other guys are making plays on special teams. Dorian O'Daniel's out there. He's just not doing much with his snaps there. So unless it's all behind-the-scenes stuff, I think it's going to be hard for him to make this team this year. And honestly, I don't even know if he's he looks as athletic as he has in the past either. I mean, we've talked a little bit that, about this. I don't know if it's been on the show we've talked about this, but like he doesn't look to be moving the same that he has in the past either. It's a it's a it's a tick it's a tick slower. I mean, it just it, he looks a, he looks a lot more stiff. Then and he looks a little bigger. A little bit. Like, I don't know if he put on a little bit more mass to try and play at the NFL level. I don't know. It, it didn't didn't help him. Didn't seem to help yeah. him all that much. J. Rowe asks, how many sacks and turnovers does this defense produce? I don't have any kind of realm of number for what an average is for a team here. So I'm going to say they are going to be in the top 10 in sacks and top 15 in the NFL in turnovers. I'm going to say 53 sacks and 19 turnovers. Done. I don't know how to equate those numbers, but I think they will be 11th, tied for 11th in sacks. 
Ooh, start th- downturn from last wow. year. Okay, I the think, slander. I think it's and they will be seventeenth in turnovers. Yeah, and so. thinking about it, I want to dial back my turnover. I actually think they're going to be bottom ten in the league in turnovers. I don't think these cornerbacks are the cornerbacks that are going to produce turnovers. So you're kind of relying on Tyron Matthew or Juan Thornhill to get your interceptions. Um, so yeah, bottom ten in turnovers, top ten in sacks, probably closer the to top Reggie five for sacks. Ragland shade. No, you're right. Reggie Ragland is probably the third most likely candidate to come up with an interception, <laughs> and I think that is part of my issue. <laughs> I mean, look what he did to Tom last mm-hmm. time we saw him in a real game. Max Arquilla asks, who will have a breakout season for the Chiefs this year? I am very much on the Juan Thornhill train. I I think he's going to come in and make an impact, and he is going to be part of the solution to the turnover problem that we are discussing right now. Juan Thornhill will be up there as far as the number of turnovers produced. I, I feel good about him. I'm going to surprise people. I think I'm going to go with Bashad Breland here. Ooh. And it's an interesting one because I think I'm probably the lowest out of all three of us on the Chiefs cornerbacks right now. But I really do like what I've seen from Bashad Breland. And I think there's a chance that he plays up to his ceiling that he's played before in the NFL, which is very, very good. Like He's had a couple years with Washington where he's been a really good cornerback. I think you might see him get back to that point right now. And then especially when you're playing on this secondary where the other cornerbacks aren't very good, he might not see a ton of targets. He might make the most out of those few targets that he is seeing, and therefore he has a good statistical and like analytical season, so to speak, as a cornerback. And I just, again, I like what I've seen out of him so far. I, I think the easy answer is Darwin Thompson. But I think everybody kind of kind of assumes that. I don't know if it's a necessarily a breakout season for him. So I'm going to go with Derek Nottie. Derek Nottie has gotten a lot of reps in the nickel. Derek Nottie has been replaced on third downs, not necessarily on second downs. He's looked pretty good. He's looked much quicker. He's looked stronger. I'm excited to see what Derek Nottie does in this defense because I think he's going to be a little bit overlooked on that front. And he could play a massive role for this team and do a lot of damage up front. So I'm excited for Derek Nadi. Klein Optimus asks this is kind of a similar question, but not quite the same. The most improved player just uh, thus far, Maddie. I think it's got to be Anthony Hitchens, just based on the scheme that he's now playing in. He no longer looks hesitant. He seems to have a better grasp of what's being asked of him. I know he hasn't made, again, a ton of splash plays or really flashed like this high-end potential yet in the preseason, but he seems to be like understanding the game a little bit better as it's going on. So I think he's just the most improved, and it's all mental so far for him. And I'm going to go with Armani Watts. I know we've been a little down on Armani Watts in the past. Armani Watts looks good in this defense. He, he's gotten to kind of split the field in half. He's gotten some of his coverage responsibilities minimized and that allows him to play a little faster it allows him to fill gaps a little quicker drive on routes a little better I think Armani Watts looks very good I he was a guy that I thought that maybe was going to get cut at the start of this offseason the more I've seen of him the more I'm assured that his spot is very safe in this defense so it's it's kind of with a little bit of a caveat I think you guys picked a couple good players here already um 
I think Byron Pringle, the last we saw Byron Pringle, we, we were excited. We saw some promise, but I really think, I think he's taken a step even this year. Um, I, I would have no problem if he was asked to, to step in and, and play some snaps because I like a lot of what I've seen from him. And he's shown some really good ability on special teams too. I think he's in for a nice little year. I mean, it's ob- like a nice year, little year as a wide receiver five type isn't like a life-changing thing. But like I think he's going to be productive when he gets his opportunities this season. Uh, Menace Red 12 asked probably the most important question that we're going to answer today. Cheeseburger or hamburger guy, Maddie? cheeseburger this is like asking are you a ten dollar or twenty dollar bill kind of guy like what is this question cheeseburger next unless you're unless you're lactose intolerant it has to be a cheeseburger like a nice slice a swiss with some mushrooms or maybe a slice of vermont cheddar over a fried egg Mm, guys i'm hungry i would i would really like to have a hamburger a cheeseburger right now please so let, let's pause the podcast i'm gonna go get one and come back i just want shake shack right now uh and when i go to shake shack i'm getting a cheeseburger i mean it's you're it's, not ordering no orange chicken no <laughs> okay. i don't like chinese food one Chiefs what? Kingdom, yeah. See, I'm gonna I expose myself to another like I'm gonna get dunked I on for that too. I love how your explanation is not because you're at a burger place, you're not gonna order Chinese food. It's because you just don't like Chinese food. It doesn't I even know. go like, to this, you. It's, it's because it's, it's the wrong place. No, no, no. It's pretty. It's pretty on brand though. Like it, this is pretty on brand for me. One yeah, Chiefs, you hate food. Yes, <sighs> that's is... very on brand for you. You're right, guys. I hate food. I just eat cardboard every day. This is rice cardboard. Same it's thing. It's not going well. Same thing. Rice cardboard. Same thing. <laughs> it's it's yeah. It's my digestive tract is is it's I'm I'm I don't know how longer I don't know I don't know how much longer I have left. Frankly, okay. One Chiefs Kingdom asks, "Do you like your hot dogs grilled, steamed, or split down the middle and cooked open face?" This is a very important question. A lot of food related questions right now. Um, I'm a I'm a grill guy. I, I've never had a hot dog split down the middle and cooked open-faced, but I, I could definitely say that I prefer grilled hot dogs to steamed, boiled, whatever kind of hot dogs you're trying to cook there. I don't eat hot dogs, so, I mean, if I'm going to have one, I guess it's because I'm at, like, a baseball game and they're grilled or something, but uh, I usually do my best to avoid eating a hot dog. I don't think I've ever had a grilled hot dog at a stadium they're always like have you never tailgated but oh i you're saying before game got it yeah who pays for their food inside a stadium when it's like 18 (laughs) dollars you get a hot dog at you get a hot dog at a baseball game i was at wrigley and i got a hot dog like that's how it works yes that is how it works all right moving on the wazzy asks uh casey wins the coin flip i like this question casey wins the coin flip on week one do you take the ball and take the lead early, or do you defer and let your defense show what they got? Always defer. Defer is the way. Yep, 100%. Andy Reid almost always defers. I can't remember the last time he didn't. So, yeah, the defense is on the ball. I'm a fan of deferring, and I am anxious to see this defense. So, like, let's get him on the field as soon as we possibly can. AC Rocker asks, fill in the blank. Anthony Hitchens is going to play blank compared to last year. Significantly better. 
like I kind of talked about it already. I just I think he's seeing the game mentally a lot better right now. He knows what he's supposed to do. So I believe that he's going to be reacting quicker to plays. I still am not sure that Anthony Hitchens is going to live up to his contract that Casey gave him. I don't know if that's just who he is as a player, but I think he can be a lot closer to that this year, which would be so much better than last year where he really was one of the biggest weak links on the team. Yeah, no, he's going to be so much better than he was compared to last year. He's going to come out flying. He looks more aggressive. He looks like he's hitting harder and part of that's because he is able to accelerate. Like Matt says, he's playing faster mentally, so he's able to trigger and get to spots before the running back is and square up and lay the hammer. So much, much better. Uh, I will go with much faster, just a little bit of a change up. So maybe he won't play better, but I, he will at least be playing faster, and that's nice. Kodak Matt asks, who is the biggest name you expect to be cut, and does Brett Veach trade his first round pick before during or after the season uh i think the biggest name that i expect to be cut and i i mentioned it above is dorian o'daniel second year third round pick i i don't know that there's room for him on the roster with special teams and everything like that and then i think that if brett veach doesn't add another corner before the trade deadline that he will trade away a significant asset for a cornerback that he can keep on the roster in the future years. Like, whether that be, uh, let's see here, William Jackson or uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey, I guess, if we want to give up multiple high picks here. But I think he'll he'll shell one out if he doesn't make an addition before the beginning of the year. Um, I think the biggest name to be cut is going to be... Tano Pasnio, once Bruin Speaks comes back from his injury, but if we're going to go about right at the beginning of the 53, I think it's going to be one of the rookies, like Cody Thompson, Mark Fields, you can take your pick, who's a bigger name. I don't know if a rookie counts as the biggest name, but those are the two guys that would be the first two that I would have at 54 and 55 if I was ranking the Chiefs players. Uh, Bearcat, earmuffs. I think Carlos Hyde's on his way out. Uh, I thought you were going to say Tremont Smith. Uh, uh, that would have been. I I think we all know Tremont Smith's getting cut. <laughs> I just don't want Bearcat to to win on this one. Uh, I I just I I think that they feel pretty comfortable with the young guys they have. Uh, I I hope that they can protect Pat adequately because that's really my big question here, and I think that's why Carlos Hyde would have value to this roster. Uh, and honestly, I think Brett Feach makes his first first-round pick this year in 2020. Same. I really do. I think this is finally the year. I agree. I think let's, they want that pick. Go. They haven't had it. They want it. I don't think they're going to get rid of it at this point in time. It's more important for them to go grab a a piece that they think can help be part of their future significantly now than it ever has been because people are getting more expensive, namely Patrick LeVon Mahomes. Uh, Corey 04 asks... Uh, Corey O four asks, uh, how do you or how would you feel if the Rock actually bought the Chiefs from the Hunt family? Uh, I think it'd be amazing and fascinating just to see what would happen. Uh, it would, it would, it would, it would, it would, it'd be a great experiment. I'm here for it. Dwayne Johnson is one of my absolute favorite celebrities in the entire world. So that would be one of the best things that could ever happen to the Kansas City Chiefs, even if he has zero clue what he's doing. 
For those of you who are unaware, the HBO TV show Ballers uh, is about sports agents. And in last night's episode, The Rock, spoiler alert, bought the Chiefs from the Hunt family. And I would actually, and there's nothing against The Rock, I want Clark to hold his dad's trophy. So I'm, I'm, I'm good with him doing that. The sale wouldn't be finalized till like next year. Okay, fine. So yeah, Mahomes no, would then. win the. They'd hang. They'd hoist the trophy. All that good stuff. It'd be yeah, fine. No, I'm I'm fine with it then. I just want Clark to hoist his dad's trophy once, and, and then get out. And then, and then and then he can. Yeah. Then the Rock can take over. And then then Clark can go back to managing soccer. Uh, David Bradbury. Asks, assuming assuming Breland speaks goes on injured reserve, who takes advantage of his roster spot? I just kind of mentioned it. I think Passanio is really making the team because Breland speaks is going to go to IR. I do think Speaks will come back at some point in time this year. At least it sounds like it right now. But Passanio was the first defensive end to kick inside and play defensive tackle when Speaks couldn't go. It seems like he's kind of the next guy in line for that role. Ogba, Emmanuel Ogba has spent most of his time at the end. Yeah, he's slid inside a few times, but for the most part, he's playing on the outside. So it seems like Passanio is the next guy behind Speaks in that DND tackle kind of role. And it fits him a lot better because he actually looks somewhat decent at times inside. Yeah, uh, his spot got locked up when Breland Speaks had that surgery. I, I think he had a shot, but he was the fifth defensive end. Like Ogba and Speaks were coming in the game before him when both of those guys were healthy. Speaks was getting more run as a defensive tackle ahead of him when both those guys were healthy. So I do think that he just kind of is a like-for-like replacement, not in body type, but in his usage uh, as Breland Speaks. So I actually kind of think – I think Tano was probably making the football team, honestly. Like, I was starting to feel like he was trending that direction that he was going to wind up getting the opportunity to stick here. So I don't think he's the one that benefits from Breland Speaks winding up on IR. I think it could wind up – I mean, first off, Breland's going to probably start on the 53, so he doesn't really take advantage right off the bat. But I could see another tight end. You know, maybe they they throw numbers at the tight end position. Maybe maybe it's Cody Thompson. Maybe they have a little flexibility. I could see them moving on from Cody Thompson, trying to get him to clear waivers, and then bringing him back once they put Speaks on IR. Something like that. I could see something like that very ha- happening pretty easily. Uh, Casey Royal fifty two eighty asks, "What is the ceiling for receiving yards Tyreek Hill could have in a game? High last year was two fifteen versus the Rams. All right, Craig." I'm going to give you an over-under. Okay. Okay, let's play it this way. Okay. Over-under, 185 yards this season in a game. Over. T- Woo! Over. There, Woo! Uh, listen, Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes have a connection this year. It is special this year. And we haven't really even gotten to see Tyreek Hill flex his vertical muscles in the preseason here. We've seen it in training camp, but not in preseason. I think there is going to be a game where he hits Tyreek twice on deep balls. That's going to make up the the big chunk of that yardage, and then he's just got to make a couple catches after that. Okay, Craig, real quick. If I set it at 215, then over under. Over barely. 218. 218. Okay. All right, Matthew. 
I mean, with those numbers, I'm going under 215. Uh, I'd go over on the 180, whatever it was. The issue, the issue is this offense has so many weapons. It's going to be hard to force feed Tyreek Hill the ball enough to break 215. And I understand he did against the Rams last year, but it's just it's going to be hard to force that many passes to Tyreek Hill. And at least given his speed, all it takes is a few targets. But when you go through and look at receiving records, especially of guys in recent years. It's been a lot of guys that are the only option on their team when they did it. Julio Jones back in 2016 and I think 2015. Josh Gordon in 2013. Like These are guys that are doing it when they're the only guy that's an option to catch passes from their quarterback, essentially. I don't think Tyreek Hill fits that mold, so it's going to be really hard to really start to break up into the high 200s. Yeah, I think I, I could see him broaching 200 again this year but i think it would be just a game he'd have to have a couple big plays down the field big touchdowns um and i mean uh, 215 was pretty impressive i wouldn't be stunned if 215 is his high mark for his career but also i wouldn't put it past him either like i mean the, as explosive as this, as this group is it just takes a couple big plays to kind of get him into that opportunity so uh, D game NBA. Will they flex the Colts game to a day game? Yes, it's quite possible that that game gets flexed. Uh, that's the first week it's eligible to be flexed. Uh, and it's, it's week five. I think the Chiefs play the Colts in week five of the season with the Andrew Luck news. If, if things don't go off uh, great, uh, if the start isn't great for the Colts, I could very easily see that game being flexed. So just keep that in the back of your mind and keep an eye on the Colts. Uh, as you know, as the season goes on, if you are making plans to be at that Sunday night football game, Arrowhead Scott asks, and we are going to close on this one. This is probably the best question we've ever been asked. Matt, my wife hears me listening to the podcast and is convinced that you are actually Patrick Mahomes. Can you please explain that you are not Patrick Mahomes or do your best Patrick Mahomes impression? I'm going to ask you to do both. I cannot confirm or deny the former. As for the latter, yeah. I mean, Coach Reed motivates me every single day. I mean, yeah, he wants me to keep working on my fundamentals, <laughs> keep working on just getting better as a quarterback in general. I mean, yeah, when you play teams like the Patriots, like we played <laughs> this year, I mean, you have to play better every single week in order to keep getting wins. Uh, okay, can you put a little bit more effort into that this time? You got more in you. Try. I mean, they're Just going try. to have a great game plan. They're going to have ways to take away the stuff that you've had success with so far this season, and I expect them to throw stuff right, out good. there that's unscouted. You're not. You're not committed. You're not committed enough. I do like that you kept adding. I mean, but I I need a little more passion. Yeah, I mean. Uh, okay. That's going to do it for this week's episode, uh, our mailbag edition. We will be back with a game preview on uh, Thursday. Uh, we're going to be doing it early because the Chiefs play on Thursday. And be on the lookout for a 53-man roster cut down, uh, cut down day special. We'll be doing that. Uh, I believe we're going to be recording that on Saturday. We'll catch you later. <laughs>